Hello and welcome to the Hub Systems Podcast, the voice of man's model moments, the blog of the various ramblings on the modelling and gaming antics of my son and I. My name is Alex Mann and with me is my son Oscar. Hello. So this week we have a return guest with us, it's James Baldwin from The Drowned Earth. So welcome back James. Hello, good to be back. Now it has been over a month since our last podcast and unfortunately that was because we did actually record a post-salute episode the next day, which, due to something, <laughs> ended up disappearing into the vault of the ether uh, somewhere inside our Mac. So apologies to everyone for the delay. Uh, we'll try to recap our experience of Salute here today. And as James was there as well, we also get a, a, a third view, which is always good. So other than Salute, Oscar, what have you been up to over the past month? Not much. Um, it's been pretty, pretty not muchy, you know. Uh, mostly I've just been doing schoolwork because uh, sixth form ends pretty much like the first level of sixth form and A level, AS exam, sorry, coming up in the next couple months. So just been like time loose ends up there, but we still have had quite a lot of time for gaming, like we're doing our D&D thing mostly. Yep. Um, my character almost died down a well after we got out the dangerous dungeon, which was could have been really <laughs> depressing. Yes. Yeah. You're just like, oh, we need some water. I'll go down this well. Because you've got winged boots. I've got flying boots. So you can fly down the well. But there were trolls living down there. So, Mm. I mean, how did you not realise? Trolls always live under bridges, down wells. It's like the oldest trope of the world. No, is it? (laughs) Anyway, it it was a lot of fun. And you did survive, so. (laughs) Only just. Only just. just. From my side, I've actually been doing quite a bit more painting than usual. So, to pick up Room Wars at Salute, so we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, um, and I've been painting the Rune Golem and the Carrion Lancer um, from that. Also, some wizards that I picked up, uh, and some other figures for D&D, so I've kind of been getting back into to painting, especially seeing as that we had a holiday in Devon since last time. So, that was very good, very relaxing. We got a game of Zombicide Black Plague in, as well. Oh, that was a good one. And also, just to sort of carry on with the painting theme, I also just received a Kickstarter that I backed last year. Uh, which was very unexpected. A Kickstarter from Rathcore. And these are holders and grips for minis. So they have little cork inserts, the little turned wood holders with little bases that you can put them in. Uh, a little metal bar so you can steady your hands on. Because my hands aren't as steady as they were. And they never were that steady. So that was quite good. Getting, getting used to that now. So it's been a kind of okay hobby month, really. Mm. Now, I expect I know the answer to this one, James. What's been keeping your spare time occupied in the last month or so? Well, spare time, that's an interesting concept, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I used to i used to be vaguely familiar with that. Now, actually, it hasn't been as bad as you think. Uh, well, it has. It's it, It's been 16-hour days uh, because I have been running a Kickstarter, um, which uh, everyone says it's a lot of work, and you say, yes, I'm sure it is a lot of work, but you don't quite appreciate what they mean until you're there in the thick of it um and uh yeah i i think for the first couple of weeks i really didn't sleep well at all i've 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 settled into it now which is good um but i am 
a firm believer that that you've got to work hard and play hard so i was i was determined with the exception of the first week not to give up my weekly gaming session on a monday uh, i go to a friend of mine's john who's actually the the studio painter uh, for the drowned earth he's done all of our studio paint jobs um right. and uh we play actually we we generally don't play miniatures games interestingly uh we uh play a variety of board and card games uh, typically uh and this week we broke out the netrunner um i don't know what it's called but it's a narrative <laughs> campaign box uh so you sort of um netrunner i don't know how how familiar you are with it i would say not at all right well it's sort of i would say i'm google familiar with it it's a it, it's it's a collectible well it's not quite a collectible card game it's what is what fantasy flight calls a living card game so there's no rarity of the cards you just buy upgrade packs and you get one of everything or in fact three of everything um in each upgrade that comes out uh and i long since lost interest in doing that but it, it's a, it's a great game to just play with the core box and a few extra cards um but this uh narrative uh campaign um box brings a completely new way of playing into it in 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 that you as you might imagine you know it's narrative there's a storyline which you read and you open um different packs of cards during sometimes even during a game um really which brings in certain events and certain things which you shuffle into your deck and when those cards come out they trigger a particular uh thing that you have to do and you keep a a sort of um update sheet of your objectives and your um extra abilities and things like that and they they come with little stickers a bit like a a bit like a uh, legacy game okay. uh, where one sticker goes over the top and sort of overrides that uh, when something new happens and i have to say it's fantastic it's a really really great concept Another Fantasy Flight Games product. They they are good. They are they are. Yeah, they're horribly more good. And more, aren't they? They are yeah, really yeah. the rising force, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, I guess, when we come to to Rim Wars. And of course, we will return to the topic of the Drowned Earth soon, because that's going to be part of our our main topic for today. I don't know how to talk about anything else, to be honest. I'm, I'm just on autopilot. <laughs> well, interesting enough, we did um, get another Kickstarter because, obviously, I'm addicted to the Kickstarter and I have to keep away from it. You've got back a problem. You do. Um, <laughs> but we received a, a board game called Planetarium. Oh, okay. I, I didn't come across that one. About, it was about four weeks ago, so it was probably just after we recorded last time. Mm. And it's uh, basically you influence the development of four planets circling a sun. Right. And it's just really you good. You get points it? for certain things. It's a really nice mm. game. It's, it is. it's competitive, but it's kind of not directly competitive because you're all influencing the same planets. And it's, it's just yeah. a really neat concept. It's very unique. And everybody from my youngest daughter, who's 10, all the way up to my wife, who's not really a, a gamer, will really enjoy it. So really enjoying that. And uh, recommend, you know, if you can see a copy of that in the shops. Um, well worth getting hold of. Mm. Remind me of the name? Planetarium. Planetarium, okay. So I'm not sure if it's out of retail, but... Uh, we we actually one of the other things that I played since the Kickstarter, which I had my eye on for ages, um, is uh, terraforming Mars. That uh, that was a, that is a great game. It's sort of you've got a map of Mars, which is kind of hex based, and you've got a whole load of different hexes, which are you know water or tundra or whatever uh, you know city tiles and what have you, and you're all um, competitively 
terraforming Mars and whoever. But you're you're kind of it's not it's not a directly aggressive game, although you can you can kind of you know uh, kick a leg out or trip each other up a little bit um, now and now and again. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great one. I can definitely recommend that. That does sound like planetarium, like not direct conflict, but you like you can move the planets away from like paths that pe- other people want to take and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of guess what people are doing. Uh, in some ways, and um, because you have different things like air and liquid and metal and earth that you can, all these bits flying around the sun. That's what you need to collect you can for the push into. Parts, yeah. yeah, you push those into the planet or move the planet into those. Yeah. And once you've got enough on your card to do a certain thing, then you can influence, you can play the card, influence the development of that um, planet. points. And it, it's, you know, certain cards require other preconditions, like it has to be already habitable. Or you can crash an asteroid into it and destroy it. You know? And make it unhabitable. <laughs> oh, yes. When when I say that there's no competitive aspect, or, or at least there's no directly aggressive aspect to terraforming Mars, you can actually throw asteroids at people. Um, so, yeah, I, I might have told a small lie. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, well, now, of course, it is time for Hit or Miss. Now, Games Workshop has released, now that we talked about previously, the Caradron Overlords, and although we gave our initial sneak preview thoughts, which, let's face it, weren't great, they are now on sale. To keep it brief, we'll look at a single vehicle and a single figure, since the range is pretty consistent throughout on its theme, look, and, um, well, what would you call it... (laughs) <laughs> level of interest. style unique style yes that's probably a good way to put it so first of all we have the Arcanaut Ironclad now this is a large vehicle I guess you can call it a vehicle miniature uh, it's 70 pounds and it's basically a big iron floating ship with a big ball on top so uh James, as a, an impartial observer. <laughs> <laughs> impartial? Me? I've never been called that before. <laughs> What's your take on the, uh, the the recent release of the Caradron Overlords? Well, actually, this is the first time I've seen it. Um, and do you know what? I really love the idea. I'm not I'm not totally sold on the execution, I have to say. Um, I, I think I would like the bottom portion to look a little bit more boat-like. I mean, it is obviously supposed to be a boat, uh, but it's kind of slightly, the hull is slightly oddly shaped. It might just be the angle uh, on the main photograph. Let's look at a 360. I don't don't think it is. (laughs) No, I don't understand why it's sort of got that all up front. Um, It's sort of, yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, But I mean, I can see what they're going for. It's a kind of World of Warcraft steampunky yeah sort of you know thing um and i i love the i i love the old dwarf gyrocopter you know the the idea of a big floating uh boat to me is is really cool there was some really great uh in fact i think it might have been before he worked for games workshop but some amazing john blanche paintings of these just sort of ethereal floating ships um yeah I, Execution wise though, it's just got too much going on as always. They don't have that something I've I've sort of 
learnt talking to sculptors is they make it black and white and say, look at the silhouette. It needs to have a strong silhouette. If it doesn't have a strong silhouette, then it's not a strong concept. And the silhouette of this is a mess, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a really good... I've never heard that before. No, neither, that's, so that's, that's a really, really good, good uh, guideline, yeah. I think, because you're right, it, it doesn't have a strong silhouette. I mean, I think we've we voiced our thoughts on these before and they haven't changed seeing this it is a bit of a mess and conceptually i think for age of sigma with what's gone already it kind of doesn't fit in uh, with the world they've already created i see yeah i think fantasy it works perfectly yeah i think what you said actually there about the world of warcraft it does seem to be they almost seem to be moving the age of sigma to that world of warcraft look we had it as well alex said it last time do you remember from um, Mm, yeah forge of ice almost like this is designed to appeal to a kind of teenage yeah. PC gamer kind of idiom, which which is ironic because World of Warcraft only exists. They only created their own aesthetic because they they fell out of negotiation with Games Workshop yeah. in making it in making it Warhammer Online. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the imitator becomes the imitated. It, it is quite bizarre, is it, how it goes on? That appealing to the audience that plays these kind of games, it just isn't. Like, I mean, even they, they've got some bonds like on the, the bonds. side. I like the bonds. The, there's three different styles, and I'm sure you can probably get in-game three different types of bonds, but it's just, they're so fetish. There's even little skulls on two of the bonds. And I did notice... Of course, of course there are. <laughs> they, they, even though it's a flying base, they couldn't get away with not putting skulls on it. I count two from this side. Oh, there's also an anchor, because you know that's going to be really useful in hard rock. Yeah. Yeah. Does the anchor have a skull on? Because if it doesn't, I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the one thing that gets me about this is, like, it's a floating ship and you look up and there's these massive orbs of, like, iron. Iron, last time I checked it, last time I checked, iron wasn't floating. Yeah, it does look slightly unlikely, doesn't it? I mean, I guess a floating ship is unlikely to begin with, but you could at least try and sell it within its own fantasy. No, well, it's steam, isn't it? It's sort of steam. Remember we said last time? Oh, of course. Because obviously steam is so much lighter than there that it would make a huge iron ship like that float. Yeah. Trap the steam. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, they've almost gone for a, a kind of real, as you said, steampunk feel which doesn't exist in the game at the moment. Hmm, and not. yet, Steampunk wouldn't make that fly. It has to be magic. You know, and magic, I'm, you know, for a fantasy setting, you can get away with anything with magic. You can just say, well, it's magic. You know, the hand wavium that says, well, yes, these are magic orbs. But this is clearly designed more as a, this is a kind of mechanical contraption. Yeah, Maybe fused with magic. Out. But, you know, still, I, I mean, personally, I hate it. <laughs> I can't think of anything less that I'd want to spend £70 on. So for me, it's a huge miss. Yeah. It is a mess. And the cons- like the concept could have been executed so much better than they have. I mean, just looking at it from a distance, you can't tell what is ship and what is dwarf. But you know what? Uh, this, it looks like the scaling is all wrong, because, and it looks cartoony, you know, with the big front and the small back. It's a, it's a mess from me, to be honest. And James? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, forget the money. I just can't imagine wasting hours of my life painting it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a miss for the Argonaut Ironclad. Next up, we have the Admiral who is designed to set these things in motion. It is the Argonaut Admiral. He's a single 28mm dwarf mini. He's £15, which mm. is a bit of a... 
moment, because <laughs> I hadn't looked at the price previously. And he follows the same type of very fetished, sort of heavy armour trope that these guys have, you know, steampunk kind of fetish uh, that these guys have set before. So I don't mind starting off on this because his pose and kind of generally armour-wise, I'm okay with this figure. Mm. However, there was yeah. always going to be a but. Oh, of course. The things I don't like about it, one, he's got this sort of weird gun which wouldn't look out of place in a Gene Steeler cult faction in 40k. He has a mechanically driven chain hammer, uh, which again is too steampunky for me for this fantasy setting. But what really really rubs me in the wrong way about this, and it's such a stupid, trivial detail. You turn him around, he's got some sort of hot water tap on his back. It's like a stopcock you get in a plumbing supply village. And it's just it's just horrible. I just don't know why it bugs me so much, but he looks like he's equipped to go deep-sea diving. Well, you say that, but imagine going into battle and, and suddenly finding yourself massively overpressured. You know... <laughs> You can imagine him shouting to one of his lackeys, you know, vent me. (laughs) You know, and the the backpack is is also sort of proto-Space Marine. I was going to say, it's so copied for Space Marine. Yeah, the whole whole thing is just like a dwarf Space Marine, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. These are squats, aren't they? Just just with with more fetish in a fantasy setting, really. The Um, gems on the base are cool. It, well, you could spend fifteen pounds and just not use the figure and have the base. Ask if you really spend fifteen pounds to just use the mini. It's overpriced. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If if there was a skull on the base as well, I might consider yeah, it. But, but they yeah. haven't done it, so no. I'm quite amazed, actually. Yeah. One thing that annoys me is I can't tell what's dwarf and what's like metal. His beard is metal. Yes, he does have the obligatory character on Overlord metal beard. Oh, and metal moustache. If you look closely. <laughs> uh, why do you need an armored beard? Strength. Mm. Maybe you just can't grow one. Protects your chin, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Can we look under the beard? Uh, don't. Uh, Never look <laughs> under the beard. <laughs> so, uh, Oscar, do we need to ask? No. Okay. <laughs> James, are you going to save this guy? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. I hate it. Uh, I mean, I, w- I wasn't keen on the thing before, but this is basically just a space marine with a bunch of dwarf. Uh, imagery thrown in with it and you know the 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 thing about um world of warcraft and that kind of aesthetic that that they went for is there is some kind of charm to it whereas this just has zero charm whatsoever it's a soulless piece of plastic as far as i'm concerned not not to mince my words yeah no no, please speak plainly it's uh (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's actually quite a good way of putting it charm there is, it's a charm oh, that's range to me. say the, um, not the soulless piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of, they are. Because it is. I, I think it's a very important thing, and you mentioned it, James, is knowing when to stop. As a sculptor, I think that's almost one of the most important things. You know, if you can, yeah. can you take anything away from this and not detract from the miniature? And I think if you got to that point on your, on your sculpt, then you're good. Whereas this, it's like, well, they just keep adding and adding and adding. You could take most of the stuff away here and it would improve the mini. So why is it there? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
So I think it's a, an all-round miss for the Caradron Overlords, which is perhaps unsurprising. But let's move on to Games Workshop's other world, the 40k universe. That's slightly okay. And although we've had lots of uh, peaks about and rumours about um, 8th edition, uh, we're going to have a look at some terrain that they've released recently, which is the Industrial Terrain Collection, because this kind of does it all in one fell swoop. So if you want your 40k battlefields to look industrial and gritty, this is the set for you. It is a staggering £210, but that's unsurprising given Games Workshop pricing, and this is a lot of stuff. So you get kind of a big crane, some sort of industrial moving equipment, a big sort of boiler thing, various platforms, and you know other kind of industrial-looking stuff. So, James, do you want to start us off with uh, with this one? Um, well, I haven't actually seen this set in particular, but I have um, uh, more generally. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it now, of course, but I have more generally seen some of the Shadow Wars Armageddon. Have I got the name right? Possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the sort of the, the uh, neo necromunda oh, yeah, thing yeah. That, that they're doing at the moment, um, which I think this might be also aimed at. Um, the, uh, the certainly the the terrain that comes in that box, I think, looks quite similar to this. Um, I've I've always struggled with this kind of aesthetic because it, as far it can't quite make its mind up whether it wants to be uh, gothic or organic shapes or inorganic shapes it kind of looks it's kind of got some like renaissance domes and columns going on um and i just i don't know it's 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 a bit of a jumble to my eye i can't i can't quite get on board with it aesthetically yeah. that's good what's your take i don't hate it as far as uh terrain goes for, for warhammer if you think about the last terrain set they uh <laughs> the death world the forest. death world forest was um Oh yeah, I saw a video of that, and it looked like really sort of weird, dodgy plastic yeah, as well. Yeah, we described it. We the final decision on it was that it was um, fish tank. It was fish, fish tank, tank scenery. Core, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a very expensive way. That's what I've made all of my display boards out of, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Underwater setting. Indeed. Um, but no, actually, I, d- I don't mind these as far as they go uh, for Warhammer. Obviously, it's overpriced for what it is, and there is. There was even skulls on the wheels of the machines. Of course there are. This is Games Workshop and it's 40k. Also, if you go to... Have you seen it in the flesh? No. Because I can't quite work out how big it is. I... Well, that's a good point. Actually. Yeah. Is that is that a model down there in the main I image? I thought that initially because I thought, oh, actually, if that's a model, that's not bad. Then it's huge. I think that's actually, it looks like a fire extinguisher. I see. Okay. <laughs> In which case, no. I mean, I'm guessing from the size of that ladder, a 28 millimeter figure is kind of going to be what up to two of those segments high. Probably about as tall. Maybe just slightly under, under this yellow. little yellow. I don't know what it is. Thing. Tractor digger thing. Yeah, I guess. I guess they'd be able to see over the kind of buttressy type things around the yeah, edge of the fence. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's still a fair amount of terrain, isn't it? It is. I mean, from my point of view, I don't particularly like the look of it. I don't like that, as you said, the aesthetic of the 40K universe, the way it is at the moment, that kind of neo-Gothic kind of old, but they haven't really decided what that is. But, you know, it, it fits in with the uh, the trick they've created. I quite like the machines. I think they're they're quite good, actually. Mm. 
Uh, they look very industrial, but slightly futuristic, but also kind of strangely retro as well. You know, that tractor could come straight out of the 30s, couldn't it? Oh, look, it's a toolbox and a little fire hydrant. So it was a fire extinguisher, look. Oh, wow. That toolbox is quite cool. And some of these sets are available individually. This is just a collection of them all together. So The one-click bundle by It is the one-click bundle for the same price that you could buy them individually, yes. Uh, games Workshop <laughs> mantra. Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that they don't charge you for the effort of having to click <laughs> on all of the individual components <laughs> yourself. You know, So you, you are making a saving. <laughs> also, there's this weird dangly skull spider, and I can't get over uh, what think, the hell it I is. I think it's supposed to be a crane. That has, like, spider. five claws. Sort of Inquisition. It really annoys yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, there are elements I don't like. But in the mind of a 40k player, this is this is okay. I mean, I wouldn't buy it because I certainly wouldn't pay for 210 pounds for uh, for that much terrain. But it, it's okay. It doesn't offend me. Whoever painted it has done a nice job, I would yeah, say. Yeah, they have. Yeah, some of the rust effects, uh, especially on some of the the faded white and the uh, machines. items, there are really good. And the machines are yeah. really good. Yeah, I reckon they probably just. Just before this, they they finished painting 400 identical Space Marines for for some display somewhere, and they really let themselves go on this one. <laughs> so, in terms of hit or miss, then, what do you think, Oscar? Um, the the terrain for me it doesn't. It, I don't hate it. I don't like it, but it's it's actually quite good to be quite honest. If you were going to put this on the board, you can make it look really nice. You can make a nice industrial map out of this to fight on, and the machines I really like. So actually, I'm going to give this a hit. And James? No, I'm out on this one. I'm afraid. That's a horrible thing to do, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of torn, to be honest. I don't think I think as a collection it's a miss. I think individually some of these items, and I don't know quite which ones you can buy together. So for instance, I'd be tempted if I was a 40k player to buy those machines, but I certainly wouldn't buy the big round coke can things. You know, some of these other elements are a bit, you know, just meh. So I think you know, and also you could buy. There's so many people doing MDF terrain now, which are doing really good jobs of stuff. I think I prefer to buy some MDF terrain and then buy these vehicles, which I couldn't kind of MDF. get anywhere else. And you get that cool little toolbox. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to err on a hit because we've been uh, fairly cruel to the character and overlords. So well, they deserved it. So, <laughs> so we'll give it a hit for the uh, the terrain collection. Okay, so let's move on from Games Workshop to Mantic Games. And for Mantic, we've got a new Kickstarter from them, which is, of course, their, their main route to market. And this time, we have Terrain Crate. And as they say, Terrain Crate is a new range of incredibly detailed, pre-assembled plastic scenery to create your perfect custom dungeon or battlefield. And then they have all their usual Kickstarter blurb, and they're quite good at this by now. And you can get a single crate for $75, two crates for $70 each, or three crates for $60 each. And then it shows you what you get in each of these crates. And depending on which ones you choose, so there's Wizard Study, Abandoned Mine, Treasure Room, Dungeon Debris, Kickstart Crate Bonus bits that you get. There's baggage train campsites. There's tons and tons of different stuff, depending on what kind of setting you're in. Pretty much all fantasy. But, you know, there's some nice stuff here. What do we feel about this? James, do you want to start us on this? Well, I'm just looking through it now, and, and to be honest with you... uh I, I'm just a massive sucker for this kind of stuff. Um, scatter terrain in general makes me go, ooh, you know, little crates piled up on each other. And, oh, look, a little cabbage. Um, 
all the sort of uh you know bits and bobs um really it, to me that's what makes terrain and obviously this this is aimed at uh rpgs really isn't it it's sort of dungeon uh uh dungeon scatter stuff um and that all of that kind of stuff really brings a scene to life um is I, i'm just looking through it's a little bit difficult for me to to on the fly ascertain how much you're getting for your whatever they cost each you get quite a lot so for instance it being mantic that would be my assumption the first terrain crate is called dungeon it contains 99 pieces right okay yeah that's what i've been looking at so that includes so a single crate this is includes the wizard study the abandoned mine the treasure room dungeon debris and the, the bonus oh bits. wow i thought it was just no, the individual no, oh wow and then the second one is the battlefield crate, which has the baggage tray and the campsite, the fences and hedges, the walls, and you get some bonus bits. And then the third one is the town, which has guard barracks, tavern, blacksmith and stable, library, and various bits there. So there is quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm sold on it, to be honest with you. It's, it's all, it's nice, it's quite characterful. Um, I like your little, desk with drawers and your library books and a little set of stairs to go with a little pile of books to put somewhere you know i can just see you making really sort of nice little scenes out of this stuff yeah that's good i was gonna say they just look fantastic just looking at some of the painted um ones they just look really nice actually in the detail on some of the like just looking at the wizards like bookshelf and stuff I don't know, maybe it's just a paint job that's doing that, but they look, like, really nice. Well, I'm going to assume that this is the same stuff that they put in, was it called Dungeon Saga? Yeah. The the, the game that comes in a box that looks like a book. Yeah, which which we have. So it's kind of... Uh, yeah, I I played it with a, with a friend of mine and really liked it. It's just, I mean, Mantic really have just set themselves up to emulate Games Workshop's... Um, business model in the 90s as far as i'm concerned they've got their fake 40k they've got their fake fantasy they've got their fake hero quest they've got their fake advanced hero quest they've got their fake blood bowl etc and i I know the saying that makes it sound like i am being terribly disparaging and i'm not actually um um i am a little bit i'm not massively sold on the quality of their actual miniatures but, you know, for for the price they charge for them, you can't complain. Uh, and if this is the same stuff that came in that dungeon uh, saga box, I really loved it. It's slightly rubbery board game plastic, but but pieces which are thick enough that they're not bendy at all. And the detail's good. It's not it's not miniature quality, but it's not miniature quality price either. Yeah, I have to agree because uh, on, on all counts, I level the little gribbly bits. And the only thing that stopped me back it immediately was uh, estimated delivery is May next year. I'm just thinking, oh, we'll, we'll be through. We'll be through our campaign by then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but then we'll be starting another say, one, so we're, we're, gonna, we're not stopping there. <laughs> but I might not be DMing, so oh, I think you will be. Well, you have to swap, <laughs> that's only fair. DM? Well, I don't know, if I had exactly. all this stuff, I would anyway. There's no way Steve's DMing, I because... will not <laughs> sit through that. 
Because I mean, because I look at it, because we've got a 3D printer, and uh, which is great for terrain in general, uh, and printing dungeon tiles and that sort of stuff. But the stuff here, I mean, I'm looking now here, we've got some candlesticks and some candles and some little bottles, which I know we could probably 3D print, but they wouldn't come out great. Or if mm. we put it to, I mean, 50 micron resolution, I could get a reasonable bottle, but... When it comes to the small ones, a little collection yeah, of bottles, it's really nice to have. A I know. <laughs> and this, you know, this scrolls with a sword on it. It's all just really nice. And, the planetarium uh, thing. Yeah. The more I'm looking at it, the more I'm convinced that $180 is going to go out of our bank account fairly soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you sold me down the river as well because I hadn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, James. Um, we should have a pre-warning before people come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's that thing again, Mantic's main... I mean, for yourself, James, your startup, you've brought some, you know, a vision to to market and Kickstarter is the way to enable that. Uh, but I know you've done a lot of work beforehand and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, in a little bit. Mantic are an established company. You know, they had an X Games workshop. Um, I can't remember if there's a director or a high level executive. Anyway, leave obviously wasn't happy with the way the company was going and set up, as you say, a fake GW doing business the way that obviously he liked and he saw that his customers liked back in the nineties. Is Kickstarter the right route to market for them, you know, you have to look at it and say, well, it's it's a pre-sale thing, isn't it? You know that they've already got some of this stuff. It's there's no risk for them really. You know, seventy-five thousand dollar goal. They're already at three hundred sixty-six thousand, practically two thousand three hundred backers. Would be sixty-six um, Yeah. <laughs> so, I've part of me kind of rebels against it, thinking. Really, Mantic, you should, you know that you're gonna, this will be successful, whatever. Yeah, leave the room. Leave the room. Necessary for it. On the other side of it, I'll back it. (laughs) So, in this case, my my will is lower than my principle. That's bad. (laughs) Because I'm also unsure about, you know, how, is Kickstarter a route to market for people in established businesses? Well, maybe it is now. So I think it's a hit. It will. I mean, it is a hit at the moment. I think it will be a hit. I think what they'll produce will be good. So it's a hit from me. Oscar? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He just pretty much said everything <laughs> about it. It's good. And James? Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I I drifted off and stopped listening to what you were saying and hit the hit the buy it button. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so a hit for Mantic with their terrain crate. Now, moving on to Spartan Games. If we have a look at their website, apart from they have a coming summer 2016 on their pre-orders section. Which will be coming out in... Which (laughs) still means they need to sort out their web store. If you actually click on the April 2017 that sits below that, you can see they have actually now released some of the ships that were seen at Adepticon, plus a few others. For instance, the Racketeer Battle Carrier. This goes for the Corsairs faction. So the Corsairs already had a couple of cruisers out... They obviously produce the new cruisers, which are basically the old cruisers, but in a more resin form, because they were a bit fiddly before. I thought they lost some of their charm, and actually going back to the original cruisers, I did have a look at this, and the new cruisers are a bit less characterful, mm-hmm. for want of a better word. They've never had a battle carrier, but they've had the stats for it, they've never had the model, and now they've produced it. I must say, I was horribly disappointed by this model. I was hoping for something in my mind that was sleek and, you know, deadly, adaptable, which is kind of what the Corsairs are. The Corsairs, James, if you don't know, are, as they say, they're pirates, um, space pirates, effectively. Very customizable ships, uh, and they specialize in sort of hit-and-run raids. 
I'm very fine with the top half of this model. I was just about to say. Uh, but they seem to have bolted some sort of cargo crate with a runway on it to the bottom of it, which is just horrid. <laughs> I was literally just about to say that this, the top half with the two like rail guns on it or whatever. It's really cool. I really like that. But it's like they've got this fold-down bit. It goes like, goof. And mm, why? Because it looks now really slow. Yeah. Like it's going to turn like a shopping trolley kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, with the, the one with the wonky wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could have done a lot more. It's not bad compared to some of the stuff that they've released recently. It's one of the better ones, like compare it to the Ralph Rosa Leviathan model. Yeah. I, I'm not loving it. James, are you familiar with Firestorm Armada? I am, yeah. Yeah, not not hugely. It's one of the things that are, that I avoid looking at because I've already spent far too much money on Star Wars Armada <laughs> um, and uh, don't don't need to get myself into any more trouble. Um, I, it's I uh, generally I I've I've looked at quite a lot of their stuff where I thought, yeah, actually that's really nicely done, um, and quite a lot of it that's meh. Um, this is kind of worse than meh for me, though. I really don't like it at all. I think it's just sort of inelegant, um, but not in a kind of cool, uh, blocky, you know, vulgar way. It's just a bit ugly. Um, I feel like if they reduced the size of the bottom portion and had it slung much further back, it might give the whole thing some forward momentum. Yeah. Um, but as it is, it just looks like it's a bit blobby, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and Spartan can definitely do the, you know, brutally ugly ships. I mean, the Dendrenzi are basically, um, you know, massive rail cannons with engines on. They're they big, they're cool. blocky, yeah. they're like giant hammers in space, which is effectively how they how they play, um, and that's cool. Or the Ralph, or the Ralph Rosa Dreadnought is basically just a yeah, a towering spire of death. This is just not. It's like a tuning fork of doom. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just uh, a tuning fork. We don't know what to stop doing yet. Yeah. So I really, really was excited about the racketeer, uh, and this is, you know, not doing it for me. So big miss from me. Yep. James. Yeah, I'm definitely not keen on this. No. The other thing that we have are the STL Traders uh, militia-class frigates. Now, the STL Traders are, of course, militarised traders. So the other ships in the line are big, blocky... Well, they sort of look like cargo ships, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they are. Which fit very well with their, their sort of trope. The militia-class kind of carries that on. So we didn't see these at Adepticon. These are little sort of square-ish, little round engines, a little kind of com thing at the top. Well, that's all you could say about them, really, isn't it? That's what it's do pretty, you think, Oscar? It's pretty much like your bog-standard spaceship. You know, you'd be, you'd, like, you'd expect them not to be doing much fighting, to be quite honest. Mm. They look like standard cargo-run little ships, which I suppose suits their backstory very well. And, I mean, they're ugly in terms of, that's an ugly ship. <laughs> it's got lots of exposed uh, pipes and engines. But that is what the... The STR traders are. Yeah. So I think they've done a bad job for these, actually, because they run quite well with the other design of the um, cruisers that they made. Yeah. And they were quite good for the um, for the faction. So, yeah, they're not bad. James? I don't know about this. There's, some, there's something that looks a little bit unfinished to me, um, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. And I, I wonder whether it's not just the... There's... Um, 
the proportion of kind uh, of of large to small detail is a bit off. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's two things I, as you say, just seems a little bit off uh, to me. One is the sort of the conning tower, let's call it an engine section. I was going to say, just the tower looks a little yeah, not quite sure where that kind of gels together. And the other thing is, if you notice in the middle of the muddle, muddle? in the middle of the model, that's quite a difficult sentence to say, <laughs> there's a line running all the way down, yeah, like a little seam. And we've seen this on a few Spartan ships of late, I'd say over the last year. And it's where they actually also put their casting seam for the mould. And I don't like that at all. I think that makes it look like it is a casting scene, which completely, for me, pulls away from my suspension of disbelief. It makes it look like a model and not like a ship, because why would you have... It looks like it's got a big band running down the entire ship. And yeah. that's a really odd thing to have. So for me, that, that kind of really... Kills it kills it yeah because otherwise i with you i think it, it's quite especially this section here in the middle which has all the sort of gribbly detail on i think that's great this sleek prow sort of almost doesn't go with it but uh, like you say james it's almost like it hasn't been finished like the, the designer didn't have time to quite finish all the little little gribbly bits well and i'll tell i'll tell you the other thing which kills this for me in terms of making it a miss is this is a set a blister of three models for 14 pounds now the stl traders are by their very nature because they're not very militaristic they have high squadron sizes so squadron sizes of these go from three to six but they're frigates so you really need and you need at least two of these to field a legal game so you're going to have to spend at least 28 pounds just to get your frigates and to have any use in the game you spend double that for your tier threes so from a gameplay point of view this is really expensive i swear they used to come in packs of six for they used to do just complete fleet boxes but they've pulled away from that now but why uh, that's a good question so for me this this is a miss on two levels both from the model side and actually commercially i think this is a it's an odd move for this particular faction Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think prices it out of the, the range. It's not a particularly popular faction, so it is a bit of a, a niche faction. I don't see many people actually taking this up, so I think commercially that's a miss. Yeah, that's awful. I thought the, the, I loved the fleet boxes. The fleet boxes were like the best part. I mean, maybe we'll see a fleet box, but at the moment they're not selling those. Uh, James, any any final thoughts on hit or miss for this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I like them. Uh, I, then they don't offend me particularly, but I can't get excited about them. So I guess that makes them a miss. Yeah, I think for fourteen pounds for three. I mean, these are probably going to be what an inch and a half, two inches long. For three models, when you need at least probably twelve, I think that's. Uh, you have to be really enthused about them. You know, you have to think these are really cool, or they have to be so good in game that you have to be. You can't do without them. Yeah. Um, I know on the forums there's been a lot of grumbling about about the cost aspect side of it. Okay, so a miss there, I'm afraid, for both the Racketeer and the Militia. Uh, we have some other releases from Spartan. Three releases in the 10, 15 millimeter terrain area, mm-hmm. as well as some Halo ships, which all look very nice, but we're going to skip over those. So Spartan Scenics have released some ruined residential buildings, some industrial ruined buildings, and some fortified positions. Uh, obviously, these are designed to go with both the Halo 
Ground Combat and the Planetfall games that Spartan carries. What's your take on on these scenics from uh, from Spartan, James? Um, I'm actually I'm looking their their renders, aren't they? Rather than yes, Spartan don't do themselves any favors at all because renders are their standard shop front. Uh, again. As far as their website goes, their store has always been bad. Their web presence has always been bad. They're not good at this. Uh, they don't invest in it. So pre-orders here, you see we have coming summer 2016. It, it, it does look like it's been forgotten and nobody looks at it, unfortunately. So, yeah, they, you see all of these are renders are on their web store. Right. So, I mean, uh, with the... With, um With the caveat that I can't quite put them into context on, on the table... Um, and that's not that's not the, the that's not the fault of the fact that they're renders. It's just that I'm not familiar with um, with this game. I, the only thing I really know Spartan for, well, obviously the Halo stuff that they've done more recently, but the the Planetfall stuff I'm not I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, but I think they're nice they're nice designs. Um, they kind of they look like generic sci-fi buildings. And again, that sounds disparaging, but I mean, you know, you walk around a town, generic buildings is what you get. Not everything can be super exciting. I'm just I'm just having a look at the uh, looking at the game itself to try and put them into a bit more context. What's your take on these, Oscar? They're not they're not bad. I like I like them. Uh, the fortified positions are quite good. You know, like like you said, the little detaily bits everywhere are quite nice. Um, the buildings, like like a uh, you said just gen- generic buildings, but the one thing that is getting me about them is the block blocky floors. It's because these will be, and we've seen it from Spartan Scenics before. This will all be uh, laser cut MDF with resin drop-ons. So these darker. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So you can see the tabs oh, yeah, in the side where the the MDF slots in. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that does lend a rather artificial feel for it, especially for the suspended floors. Yeah, the are, floors are really, really annoying yeah. me, but. But I mean, you can uh, because it's MDF. You could break those. You can go to town and that make it make it look good. I mean, for me, my question is, why have Spartan done this? <laughs> and you know, Spartan have been criticised a lot by us. <laughs> you know, I used to work with Spartan. I criticised when I was working with them. I criticised now because they're still making the same errors of they just. They're a small company. They don't have much resource. They spread themselves so thin. Um, like we say, their, their website isn't good. They need to focus. You know, They need to put the support behind their games. Planetfall, I mean, you mentioned you hadn't heard of it, James. It, when it was released, it was very popular. They did a whole bunch of upgrades. They did tons of releases. They haven't had a release for over a year now. It's been radio right. silent. They said they were developing version 2, and then there was nothing and then they focused on Halo. That isn't a way to develop a community. So a lot of people have just gone to other things because it's such a great time to game. There are so many things demanding your attention. A company just can't afford to do that. And unfortunately, that's what they've done. Then to produce bits of scenics, which are okay. There are so many people with laser cutters these days making good terrain. Um, I'm sure they'll sell some of these, and it's great to have, you know, some stuff which supports your games that you're selling as well. But surely that's something that's a luxury to do when things are established rather than another branch. You know? Yeah, definitely. I would much rather see them, you know, not do those terrain pieces and go and put photographs of their models on their web store for all of their products. 
Yes, that I think that painted. would serve them in much better stead. Mm-hmm. The terrain's nice enough, I agree. I think those blocky cuts detract from it. I'm sure the resin drop-ons will look fantastic and probably actually are worth the, the price alone. The positions, the fortified positions, it's like, yeah, you know, £20 for those. Am I going to do that? I could make them myself, I could buy them. Again, it's one of those things that they're not so good that you think, yes, I have to have them. Yeah, definitely. If you're picking up some Halo Ground Combat at the same time and this is in the store, it might be something you buy. Well, the the calculation there is always, you know, if if it's not that great, is it cheap? You know, I mean, I I I've uh, I own <clears throat> lots of okay MDF scenery which I picked up because it was for nothing and thought <laughs> I can I can really make this look good by putting some TLC into it. Uh, you know, and there's other bits of terrain that I bought, you know, sort of uh, solid resin things, which are just incredible pieces of terrain, which cost quite a lot of money. And you, you're happy to do one or the other, but you're not going to you're not going to pay over the odds for the first type, are you? No. And, you know, uh, let's have a look. The Spartan Scenic's fortified positions. Um, bear in mind, these are 10 strike 15 millimeters. They're not big. Uh, you get quite a lot of stuff there, but that's 20 pounds for that set. So it needs to be good. Does it? Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, I'm sort of seeing these these residential buildings for 18 and thinking, yeah, it just seems like an awful lot of money for not for not much, considering it's 10 to 15 mil scale. Um, you know, you can you can buy three or four MDF buildings at 28 mil scale for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, for that sort of money, um, it seems to me that they're using the same price point on the scenery as they are on their miniatures. Um, and I think that if you have to do that, then you shouldn't make your own scenery. I've got no intention of making my own scenery, for example. I'm talking to uh, a company about um, licensing it out to them uh, and letting them make all of the profit because that's what they do. That's what they do best. That's what they specialize in. For me to try and do it, I won't do it as well as them. Yeah. Um, it'll be more expensive than than it should be uh, for the consumer. And so I think it's a much better thing to work out what kind of a company you are, what it is you do, and do that thing as best as you possibly can and let someone else do the thing that they're best at. I don't think I could have put that better myself, James. That's. Uh, <laughs> I think that's exactly what Spartan need to do. They need to work out what sort of company they are and what sort of company they want to be and just do that um, rather than promising as they have done so many times, you know, the world to all of their customers and not delivering. Um, they've lost so many customers like that. So it's it's unfortunate, it's disappointing, but I think, I mean, for me, these terrain sets are, are misses purely because of that. Um, mm. Because, yeah, they're okay. I'm sure they'll sell some, but why are they doing them? I just can't see a reason for them doing Anybody disagree with that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean my my caveat is that I don't really have a stake because I'm not sure I fully understand the um you know what it what it is that they're doing here in the first place but I can't really imagine spending 18 quid on those two tiny little buildings particularly if they're more than half MDF. Yeah, I mean as you said when you go to shows you can pick up you know there's so many vendors there. We went salute there was that like tower. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge. It was a twenty-eight millimeter, basically skyscraper. What was? Yeah, I can't remember how much that was, it's but it, TT Combat. Yeah, I think it was 
No, it wasn't that much. It was surprisingly little, considering it was absolutely vast. It was huge. Because we were saying, you know, that was great, but how would you get it home? <laughs> <laughs> it was coming in a huge crate. Yeah, so it, I don't know. Uh, I honestly wonder what what Spartan what Spartan's future is, considering that there are so many good games out there. Now. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, put that behind us. And uh, we mentioned salute a little bit there, so let's go back to what we did three weeks ago, but oh, didn't actually publish. And have a brief recap of Salute. So, what was your impression of Salute, Oscar? It was good, because we actually got to look around this time. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Um, trouble is, we've got so many games upstairs. We do. <laughs> that when you look around, it's difficult. Well, actually, I suppose it puts us in quite a good place. We kind of didn't go to, to buy stuff, did we, really? Yeah. I mean, we, we went with money that we could. And, and we did. Okay, the only thing I regret is not buying... Uh, more hawk stuff. I told you to go back. Um, but you know, that's a good thing. Restraint is a good thing. So yes, it is. We did buy a copy of Ring Wars. I'd seen various painting stuff. A guy yeah, called you, Sarastro. You bought it. Fantastic painting. You yeah. bought it at the most expensive store. I bought it. At, uh, <laughs> I bought it for the first first store I saw because they had like three copies left. And you were like, oh god, they're gonna. Run out, and then later on we saw this massive pile of ruin walls. For five pounds less, but you know, hey ho, hindsight is twenty twenty. But um, never mind. So, yeah, ruin walls. We actually got to see a bit of the gameplay. So I wanted to see that before I invested, otherwise I just bought it online. We got to see the guys at Shattered Void and see yes. some of the the miniatures. Uh, which look really good. They look really nice. Um, some of the plastic components as well, and the little sliders. They're really tactile. Um, in fact, I could just have one of those sliders as a sort of stress toy. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the um, the droids because it was the first time to see the droid flyers. Yeah, yeah. So really looking forward to that. Um, I had a chat with them. They've had a bit of a rough time with uh, Prodos mess- messing them about for the uh, for the minis, but now they've got their own three D printer. They're doing it all themselves. Which is great. We saw some really nice miniatures uh, at the Mias miniatures stand. Oh god, that's so absolutely good. fabulous stuff. But just it's too bad. So expensive. <laughs> yeah, they had a fantastic Chimera, uh, which was probably about what eight inches long. It's yeah, a huge yeah. model, but it was a hundred pounds effectively, mm-hmm. um, or more. One hundred and twenty-five. Really creepy. Models. Really, really good. Um, and they were giving away free rules and free background for the game, uh, which goes with their miniatures. But again, just at that price point, it's like, well, if it was 20% less, you could see it as kind of something you'd buy into, spend a lot of time painting the miniatures and then playing with them. But at the moment, I think they're, they're in that kind of, I'll buy this for display. Uh, that's kind of it. Definitely, yeah. Interesting to see that Wild West Exodus was there. We have some Wild West Exodus figures. We've never actually played it yet. No, we haven't. We need to. But interesting to see that they're sort of growing. And really, really nice minis there as well. They're all injection molded, which is another good thing. Uh, we got to play Dark Souls. Oh, that was good. Which we, you which we have backed. let us down because you died. I died, yes. You were so close to dying. I was not going to die. <laughs> Really good, really nice to see that demo. It's a, as brutal as the PC game. Uh, the miniatures are really nice. Again. The other day, um, because I got quite far in the game, and I uninstalled it because I needed more space and I stopped playing it. So I reinstalled it the other day, and I was playing it through. And I was, I just had like an epiphany. I'm just like, why am I doing this to myself? Because it took me so long to get that far. And I got to this part where there's this knight, and he just walks out of this building, and he just 
kills me. It took me about five hours alone to get past him, and I just, so I just uninstalled <laughs> it again because I was like, I'm not going to go through the pain of doing it all no, again. At least with a miniature game, you don't have to go through quite as long. <laughs> have you ever played Dark Souls, James? Uh, the computer game, no, I have not. Um, but I, I actually, um, I was um, at SteamCon uh, last year. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was doing their, um, I was handling their painting uh, table and giving a couple of lectures on uh, um, painting and airbrushing and what have you. And uh, they had a bit of a panic um, that they were live streaming uh, Dark Souls straight off and they'd only just got all of these 3D prints in. And they wanted them to um, look like they'd just come out of the box. Uh, so I had to furiously... Uh, airbrush all of them in um, uh, to make them look like make very very expensive 3D printed resin um, <laughs> look like very cheap plastic. Um, <laughs> That's an interesting but, uh, take. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's exactly from from a professional point of view, it's exactly what I would do. You want they wanted them to look like the the you know the product that people are going to get, but of course I've been completely ruined because you know I've. Uh, painted all of them and handled the uh, top quality 3D prints so when I actually get my hands on the actual production stuff I'll be like what is this rubbish Uh, but they're great. They're fantastic, um, fantastic sculpts, and you know it, it looks like a very fun game. I um, I get really frustrated with uh, extremely difficult PC games, so it's not one for me. Uh, but the board game, I'm sure, will be. Board game is it's really fun. It, it is it's it's really different, a different kind of hard because board game. Yeah. PC games can just be absolutely brutal, and they just don't give a crap. Whereas I find board games are less brutal. But this is pretty. This is yeah. Well, you just don't want it to be arbitrary, do you? Yeah, like you, you don't mind it being hard, but when you can play really well or play really badly, and the thunderbolt comes down and immolates you either way, um, that's just not a fun. You're, you're investing too much in a board game, I think, in a way that you're not in a PC game. Yeah, mm. yeah. Good way to put it. Uh, and then finally, we had a demo of the Drowned Earth. So I think it was... Oh, did you? I've heard it's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was Chris that gave us the demo. It gave us a really good demo. It was, yes. Even though Oscar managed to knock over his Dr. Pepper. Oh, my God, I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you didn't chip the models, that's the only no, thing that matters. No, no, unfortunately, the cards are all laminated. Yeah, thank so God they are laminated. <laughs> it was a really fun game, some really nice mechanics, and um, obviously you have the Kickstarter live at the moment. Indeed. We have, I think it's nine days to go. That's right, yeah. So it'll probably be uh, about a week when uh, when you're listening to this. So highly recommend going and having a look. Uh, we got a chance to see a lot of the miniatures, which are fabulous. Oh, wow. They are um, really nice, actually, to, to have you on the first time see some of those uh, art pictures, how the renders are looking. And now finally to see the... Uh, and then actually see them in the flesh, yeah. 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 The, the painted minis really good. So how's everything going then, James? How's the Kickstarter progressing? Um, well, I, I I mean, it's gone really, really well. And I am exhausted and um, slightly bemused by the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, to be perfectly honest, I'm a bit delirious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have hoped for it to have gone any better, really. Um, you know, as a, as a completely first-time producer uh, with no track record, no customer base to lean back on, you know, you're starting absolutely from scratch. Uh, the response has been incredible, uh, and the response at Salute 
you know i think you you came by uh, uh earlier in the day and and you know uh, it was just absolutely log jammed and it was pretty much log jammed i i had um including myself there were eight of us there and the reason why i had all just friends who volunteered to help um and the reason why i got so many friends to help was because i didn't want to ask three people a really big favor of spending the whole day i'd rather ask eight people to do you know two hours each yeah. uh, or two and a half hours each or whatever um well, we were about halfway down the hall, I think. So it took about 15 or 20 minutes for the wave of people to hit us. But when it did hit us, nobody had a 20-minute break all day. It was just absolutely insane. Wow. Um, and the response was incredibly positive. You know, people were just really very, very complimentary about the miniatures. I mean, I'm I'm confident about the miniatures because, as I said on, 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 you know, the first time I was on, um, I want to make sure that I'm doing my job properly, uh, particularly as I've not done it before. I want to go to the effort to get them cast before the Kickstarter and be able to show people the actual finished product because I, I want to be satisfied in my own uh, mind that I can deliver on the promise I've made. And I really couldn't be happier with the miniatures and the main either the the sort of recurring theme that people said over and over again at uh, salute was they were looking at the miniatures um and as they picked them up they said oh wow they're metal i really thought they were resin you know the the yeah. the, the quality and the detail is such that they look like resin models yeah and i must admit i mean not only does it look good it plays well as well i mean i think it's incredibly cinematic we had a very and I appreciate, you know, the way it was set up was to demonstrate certain mechanics, yeah. which is, which I think is a great idea. Yeah. But I mean, we had some really cinematic moments. I think one of the best being Oscar's ape guy uh, oh, deciding yeah. to take out my my lizard dude. He um, ran across that. He climbed up a building. He climbed up a building. He jumped across to the ramp. He ran across the ramp. Dodged loads of bullets from your other. Jumped thing. at me to melee me, and I shot him clean between the eyes. And then he died. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I needed to get two wounds because he had got arrows in in this guy. And <laughs> oh my god, I was so determined. And the lizard just with cold blooded reticence just looked at him, pulled out his gun, and just fired. And he, the the simian body just fell to the side. He just stepped by as it rolled down. <laughs> yeah, and then you continued running up, and I and then I was accumulated. <laughs> yes. So. So it is incredibly cinematic, and I think um, you know some of the the me mechanics you've got, the interrupts that uh, you know you see a few games starting I was to say, use interrupts because it mechanics. is kind of it is turn based, but I like how you've gone away from normal turn based mechanics because it's very fluid and kind of you yeah. you all go at once in this in, in that kind of way, don't you? Yeah, I think very fluid is a, a very apt way of describing it, actually. Well, it's a real pleasure to hear you say that because I know, you know, uh, when when was it? Four, four or five months ago, you know, when I was on the show to begin with, uh, you were asking me about the game and I, and I was saying, well, it's really cinematic and, you know, there's no downtime and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, everyone's listening going, mm, yes, OK, that sounds interesting. But clearly I, I I have done my job properly because if if you can have a demo of the game and come back and tell me all of the things that I've tried really hard to do and and my sort of design brief as it were um then you know that's fantastic isn't it and i couldn't be more pleased with the response that i've got um because you know you make a thing and you think you've done something good and you you think you've uh 
you've hit the notes that you wanted to hit. But how do you really know? You know, you yeah. can't really know. Yeah, and I think you've also done some really nice uh, things with the Kickstarter. So I know when, when we got back from Salute, because my memory is terrible, I hadn't actually realised that the Kickstarter was starting or realised that so much of time had passed since we last spoke. So... Um, I must admit, I went straight to Kickstarter and, and we backed kind of uh, whole ham because it, it is a, just a really fun game. It's really easy to get into uh, and understand as well straight away. I don't yeah. think, you know, the learning curve is quite low. I mean, the diversity within the factions. Yeah, but the the, the learning curve is quite low, but yet the, the nuance and the complexity that you can actually have tactically is quite high from the off. And that's a really appealing mix, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's the sort of holy grail of games. You, you, you want that, you know, what's the cliche? Um, minutes to learn, years to master, or that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's what you want. You want it to have a, a level of depth, but, but just so, I mean, my, my big thing is that when people are playing a game um, you know, on the tabletop. I want them to be thinking about the tactics, not the rules. I want them to be thinking about what's actually happening, not negotiating. Well, I've got that skill, and then and then if I do this thing, you know. Um, I think I might have said to you actually. I think I might have said to you at absolute rather than the last time I was on. My my one of my not design aims, but one of my overarching goals was that if I could create a game where people went away and told a story about what happened in the game without once talking about what dice they rolled or what rules mechanics they used, then I've done my job well. Well, um, I think you definitely... I, I definitely think I've that. done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't mention dice or rules mechanics. <clears throat> but we did walk away and we're talking about the story that you know we've formed in our heads from that straight definitely. away, yeah. didn't we? So, and I won, too. Yeah, it's yeah, always apparent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that part. Um, and you did also have a board where you could fight a T-Rex, I believe. Indeed, yes. <laughs> yes, we managed to... Uh, uh, so that was a sort of drop-in game where anyone could come and just, just control one model. Um, and the T-Rex was rampaging around the board, taking wounds, and we were keeping score of how many, uh, how many wounds the T-Rex had, how many people it killed and how many times it died uh, and the basic idea was that the the, the sort of ai driving the t-rex was that it went for whoever it whoever had most recently been injured so the smart money was on the people who in true zombie apocalypse style shot their friend and ran away <laughs> um, <laughs> Excellent. Um, but that was huge fun the death toll at the end of the day the t-rex died four times and it killed 47 people. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so, I mean, the I'd recommend people go and look at the, the Kickstarter page because I must say you've done a very slick Kickstarter. You certainly wouldn't know that this is your first. And you've also done some really nice things uh, that I've not seen in any other Kickstarter as well. So the first thing to say is you funded it under an hour which is a yep. pretty amazing achievement. The second thing is, I mean, you've done some things like you've done a live uh, sculpt online, which is a fantastic yep. thing. You've had uh, an interactive vote on um, some of the direction of uh, another, is it another stretch goal character? I can't remember now. Um, it's, yeah, so um, what we've done is I've, I've called it Choose Your Own Adventurer, where I'm writing an episode a week of a, a little story. Um, and at the end of each episode, you uh, all of the backers have the opportunity to vote on 
what the character does next, but also who the character is. So it started off as just a shadowy figure with no gender, no species, no name, no memory. Uh, the 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 story is called Memory Regained, uh, and as the story has progressed, we've filled in the detail about who this character is. Um, and at the uh, any anyone who's bought one starter box uh, or more uh, will get that character for free. Um, and it's a mercenary model, so it'll work with any uh, with any crew. Yeah, so a really nice touch, I thought, and. Um but also being able to vote on, you know, which way this goes. You know, I can't remember what I chose. Well, that's a little taste of things to come for me, actually, is that I, I really, I think that miniatures games are about community. Uh, and the reason why, you know, I probably could have designed a board game and potentially it's a bigger marketplace and, and typically board games make more money. But it's a one-shot thing um, that you make your board game. Maybe you sell some to shops and you get a little bit of retail sales after. But but you probably sold 75% of the games that you're ever going to sell at your Kickstarter. Um, and, uh, but you know, obviously, it's from a financial point of view, it's probably a better a, a better option. But I wanted to do something that was really about community, and and for me, that's always going to be a miniatures game. Um, and I'm very invested in the world. I'm very invested in the fantasy of the whole thing. And I'm I'm I, I really love the idea of an evolving story. And an evolving story which involves the community and community involvement in, in what happens. That's really good to hear. I must just say one thing that I just remembered. Sage can't shoot for anything. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's got a massive pickaxe uh, and he's got a little shotgun. Yeah. Uh, and he can't quite get his finger into the shotgun uh, uh, trigger I can all attest, that well. I can attest that. He did not hit a single thing when I, when I played... <laughs> the artifactors. So, uh, just a side note, everybody, uh, Dev. He's the 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 big simian guy, the uh, the big gorilla for uh, one of the first factions. So, check him out. He's a really nice model, but um, don't rely on him for shooting. <laughs> no, he's 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 not a shooty character at all. No, I, I had uh, Hoss, I, who was very nice, but I didn't get to melee because he died yeah. just before. He did take he a lot of out. damage. I think Nick's hit him three times. Oh, it was insane, yeah. Hosk has a rocket-propelled hammer. That's <laughs> just cool. <laughs> because just because a normal hammer just isn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like the look of um, all go- that faction there with where the, uh, the, the gorilla guy actually has a minigun instead of a melee weapon. Well, That's a gorilla girl. Oh, Okay. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we've still got a minigun. <laughs> well, if you're bad at shooting, a minigun compensates. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't really It definitely does, them. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they are really nice-looking faction, the, the militia, definitely. Well, the exciting news is that we've we've got uh, there were several what I've called the gene splicer pledge level, which is where people uh, pay a reasonably significant amount of money uh, to actually have their own model concepted and designed and, and cast. Uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, how many of with those we've, I think we've got five of them. Um, uh, plus the girl who is from the story, the design your own, um, adventurer story. Uh, so that is in total six mercenary models and you only need five models to make a faction. So I've actually decided that we're going to make that a fifth faction. 
Fantastic. Um, won't be available at the Kickstarter. Maybe in the Pledge Manager. I'm not sure. We'll see how we go with the sculpting. Um, but that's sort of a must-have because you can you can buy that faction and use it by itself. Or any of those models will work with the other models that you've got for sort of you know some list building options. Nice. And the, the dinosaur models work the same way. Yep. Yep. So you only have one left of those. So if you're hearing this, you can go to the Kickstarter and you fancy that there is only one left. So get in there quickly. Yeah. It's a fun thing to do. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been having really entertaining conversations with the guys that have gone for it in, in, you know, they've, they've all been very, very cool guys who, who come with an idea. Um, but they're a little bit, it's actually really sweet. They've all been very sensitive to the idea that this is my world and they don't want to tread on my toes. And, you know, I sort of put my hands up and say, well, I, if I wasn't willing, um, to allow people to, you know, um, contribute, then I wouldn't have put those pledge levels up in the first place. And, you know, obviously it has to be world appropriate, but, but I want to be flexible. Um, and, you know, they've been all of the guys have been talking to each other as well, trying to work out. And after they found out that the, the uh, mercenary models are all going to be a faction of their own, um, they all wanted to talk to each other and, you know, work out how, how their characters know each other, Fantastic. sort of coming together a bit like a role play group. Oh, that's, so that's cool. really good. I'd love to do it, but yeah. it would cost me a lot more than £750. Pounds. Yeah, I think mum would have something. Exactly. <laughs> Does she listen to the podcast? Fortunately not. <laughs> then what she doesn't know can't hurt her. <laughs> uh, it's a little little harder to hide in the family finances, I feel. She does have a credit card. Yeah, I guess there is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we went pretty deep, but not quite that deep. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, what are your what are your hopes for the rest of the the Kickstarter, then, James? Well, um, the last week of the Kickstarter, in fact, this is an exclusive. I don't know whether I'll have announced it by the time you put this up, but we're going to have a competition re- week. We're going to be running a competition for every day for the last seven days of the Kickstarter, um, and it'll be things like. Uh, come up with a concept for a location and that location will actually be I'll write it into the world um, and it'll be featured in the rule book um, Fantastic. we will be having um, anyone who uh, who manages to print and play so you can you can download the standees and the rule book and what have you anyone who manages to film a game and put it on YouTube uh, will be have a chance of winning a prize different things happening each day we've also got uh, another live sculpting session so the the first one we showed uh Canada, who's the leader of the firm so we've already unlocked uh nix the leader of the artifactors um as a model uh on a velociraptor because well actually it's a utah raptor but uh um velociraptors in actual fact are tiny little things um but she's she's come along on a cavalry model and all of the factions are going to have a mounted leader uh alternate sculpt um and canada we uh didn't tell anyone but in the live sculpting uh we've shown him on a praying mantis and we had a really great sculpting session where james the sculptor was was explaining the sort of process of of starting a model pretty much from just making a maquette uh to adding the detail and all of the rest of it so we posed it up a little bit and and had a play and then next saturday i think um so that will be 
what will that be? Will that be the... 13th, I think. Well, 13th. Um, we're going to revisit that sculpt, um, and he will do more work to it and show it at a more, at a more finished state. And maybe by then, who knows, um, we might have actually unlocked that as an option, uh, for people to add to their pledge. Um, so that would be quite fun. This Tuesday, we've got, um, a live painting stream. Uh, with my friend John, who's done the studio paint jobs, who, who I've been playing Netrunner with. Um, and what else? There's quite a lot of stuff, actually. I've, I've sort of, I thought the best way to run a Kickstarter is to run a month long online party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't quite send people beer in canapes, but, no. <laughs> uh, you know, if I could, I would have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I looked at the, I didn't manage to make the live, um, uh, stream for the the sculpt because I was uh, off doing something else. I can't remember what it was, but well, you can you can see it on the YouTube channel. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, so I, I did pick it up on the YouTube uh, channel. And, ah, cool, um, cool. It was which is cool, cool actually because you just fast forward some of the bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. when, when I'm talking, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there were a couple of really interesting bits in it actually. First was the the idea of starting off from essentially a wire frame. You know, as you would yeah. an actual sort of yeah. green stuff mini, which was kind of like, ah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, and the other was just the speed of which, you know, that when he got, first of all, the, the shape of the head, which was just a triangle, basically, wasn't it? A rounded triangle. And by the end, yeah. it's a mantis head. It's just like the, yeah. the speed and skill with which it's just like, doop, 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 doop. My God, that is a mantis head. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. very impressive. I, I don't know whether you picked up from from my sort of uh the questions i was asking him but i've played around in zbrush a little bit and i i i understand a little bit of how it works um and for me the thing that just bowls me over is how fluid he is with all of the uh keyboard shortcuts which to him is the most mundane thing yeah you know that that's just like knowing how to hold your brush properly uh but to me that that's you know the 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 fluidity with which he moved from one tool to the next um you know and you're watching him and if you know what those tools are you're like oh god it would have taken me a minute to go up and get the drop down bar and select that <laughs> yeah. whereas he's just doing everything on the fly you know it's amazing to watch yeah yeah it was it was really interesting and as you say it's still up on youtube so well worth going and having a I look there. Yeah, I also this a uh, couple of days ago put up some rules tutorials on YouTube. So I'm planning a whole series where you'll more or less be able to. I mean, you still need to read the rule book, really, but all of the heavy lifting, if you watch this series of rules tutorials, will be done for you, and you just need to read the rule book to to glue it all together, really. Uh, so that's also worth a look. Fantastic. Cool. Okay, James. Well, anything else you want to to mention? Um, no, I don't think so. Come along. Uh, if you want to get to the Kickstarter, you can just go to kickstarter.thedrowndearth.com and it'll take you straight through. Uh, have a look at what we've done. We've unlocked a whole load of stuff. You've got some really cool dinosaur models, which I was super excited about and hoping that we'd get to the stage where we'd unlock them. We're now getting to the stage where I'm kind of running out of things to unlock. <laughs> I've still got a few tricks up my sleeve, but uh, <laughs> I'm desperately scrambling for, for more just in case um but yeah i mean it, it's gone really well uh, i haven't made it about price obviously that there, there is a saving you know the prices will have to go up when it comes to retail i haven't wanted to sort of you know go too heavily into that during the kickstarter but it's 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 something to think about um and we'll be delivering you know first quarter of next year all being well 
Fantastic. I need some dinosaurs. There's yeah, so yeah, nice. we have to have dinosaurs. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't. I, I, I've been umming and ahhing because you know you're sort of uh, you're eager to to find new things to unlock, and I've got a whole load of stuff planned, and I've been scratching my head and wrestling because I've kind of half finished some AI rules. Uh, for the dinosaur models, which are run by an AI deck. Uh, so writing some solo scenarios or cooperative scenarios even um, where you're fighting against the dinosaurs. Um, and I'd really love to just say, screw it, I'm going to do that. But I'm a little bit worried. I mean, I'm quite keen to deliver on time or early, really. Um, and I just want to stay on target and I don't want to do what I've seen so many other Kickstarters do, which is they get enthusiastic about the 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 amount of money and they try to drive more sales and more enthusiasm by promising lots of extra stuff and then the kickstarter finishes and they realize that they've bitten off way more than they can chew and i i was very very careful but i'd sort of done an audit before i went to kickstarter about what i could and couldn't do and the annoying thing is that the AI deck is just on the edge. It, like, it could go either way. Um, and I'm being conservative and have decided not to do it, but, but I'm so tempted. Um, but that will come in the future. There'll be, there'll be AI-driven dinosaurs and solo and cooperative scenarios. Yeah, I mean, if you need any convincing or pushing, then definitely AI dinosaurs. Yeah, whole Oh, yeah, it's got it's got to be good, hasn't it? And you know, it's it's slightly less challenging. You see, there's two ways I could have gone with it. I mean, the the way I started off was to um, do the whole thing and um, make an AI mechanic that will work equally well for ranged and melee models. So, for example, dinosaur models or just generic mooks with guns. Um, and I can see a way to make that work and and do a single deck and then i realized while i was playtesting, one of the easiest things i could do is just cut out the ranged and make it only melee and then the ai deck is quite uh quite easy to write you know and it, it's sort of at the stage with melee where i'm kind of happy with it um i the scenarios is a totally different story you know trying to write uh, solo or co-op scenarios which are challenging and, and balancing them points-wise is, is a, a different prospect altogether. But really, I would still like to go back to my original um, vision of having an AI mechanic that would handle both. Um, you know, I'll see how it goes. I might end up having two AI decks, one for ranged and one for melee. Uh, I'd, I would rather unite them. But if it makes it clunky, then obviously I, I, I won't do that. But, um, yeah, there we are. Sorry, tangent. No, it's good. No, definitely. definitely. Yeah. So one thing I would say is we still have some social goals on your Kickstarter to go. Indeed, yes. Um, one of them is the uh, the Twitter uh, one. You're 517 out of 650 Twitter followers. So I would say all of you twi- tweeters out there, I was going to say Twitterers, but that's not quite the same. <laughs> all of you tweeters out there, um, if you go to twitter.com slash the drowned earth, or one word, you can follow, follow James and the Kickstarter there, and that will help get the social, one of the social media goals 
there. What's your thunderclap support at the moment? Well, the, uh, so the Twitter goal is a map, uh, which I, I'm just dying to make because who doesn't <laughs> love maps? Uh, and my, my sort of first fantasy foray into anything really was The Hobbit. Um, and I remember spending hours poring over those maps yeah. and, and looking at the ones in Lord of the Rings before I was really old enough to read, uh, Lord of the Rings. So I'd love to do that. The, the thunderclap, uh, one is, is perhaps even cooler. It's a quick start rules. Uh, so I think the game, the game is, is pretty, you know, you, you've said it. It's pretty streamlined. It's, it's pretty easy to pick up. But the rule book isn't necessarily all that streamlined or easy to pick up because it's designed to be really, really precise for people who, um, like their games to be black and white. Yeah. Um, and and I'm I'm all I'm almost not just thinking of the guy who wants his games to be black and white, but the guy who has to play the guy who will try to <laughs> call white black yeah. uh, if he can. And I I think you should make a robust rule set that doesn't allow those kind of shenanigans. The difficulty is, I think, making that fluid and making it really accessible language is a huge skill and not a skill that I think I've developed yet. Uh, so I would love to create just the, the quick start pamphlet, uh, which is, you know, maybe 10, maybe 15 pages telling you everything you need to play. Um, provided you're not going to be too finickety. And then when you get to the level where you say, hang on, which happens first, you know, this or this, or hang on, I can see an ambiguity here, then you can go to the main rule book. But the quick start rules should get you up and running and playing and having fun without having to worry about sort of dense, um, you know, timing considerations and that kind of thing. Um, So... um, do you know what a thunderclap is? No, I must admit I don't, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> right, okay, so I've, I've answered the wrong question. <laughs> um, thunderclap is a fantastic website for social media engagement where you sign up um, to a particular campaign um, and you agree for, the, uh, for Thunderclap, the website, to uh, tweet the message which, or, or post the message to Facebook, which the campaign has shown. So uh, if you go to the page, you'll see there's a big blue box which has the message which I've written, um, and it'll be something along the lines of, you know, the Kickstarter um, uh, URL, and please come and support us, and, you know, dinosaurs are cool. Um, and at the same, provided you get, whatever your target number is and our target number uh, for the thunderclap is 100 people but the target for the stretch goal is 250 um you then synchronized everyone who's uh, signed up to the campaign will send out the same message to facebook and twitter at the same time uh, so you get this sort of huge exposure to all of your, uh, you know, nerdy friends see that you've supported a um, Kickstarter campaign uh, and then, you know, hopefully go and have a look and, and find out what it is. Excellent. So everybody who will have heard that. So please go along, have a look. Probably the best way is to actually look at the Kickstarter page. Obviously, yep. after backing, you can go down. It's about uh, two thirds of the way down the the page under the I think that's about right yeah social media goals and you have on the right hand side the the thunderclap and the twitter links there 
probably the best way to go through that. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of links above and above, above and below that graphic, the uh, the uh, social stretch goals graphic. Yeah. You also have a ton of videos, uh, lots of material, lots of high res images as well, so you can click through and see those. So I think you've done a really well run and really interesting. Uh, Kickstarter, to be honest, James, it's one of the best that that I've seen, and as we admitted before, we've backed quite a lot. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say so. It's uh, it's been a huge challenge doing everything alone, um, but I'm just sort of determined. Uh, whatever you you know, you only get one shot at these things, so why why not try and do the absolute best you can? Uh, and when it comes, and you have you've done a fantastic. Well, job. I've I've tried. It's been two years in the planning. <laughs> yeah. So I decided right at the beginning of the whole process that that I was either going to do it as best as I possibly could in however long it took, or not do it at all. I didn't I didn't want to sort of spend half the time and 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 go to half the effort. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, as I say, it's to me it looks like a really well run. Uh, Kickstarter. It's a great game. The miniatures are fantastic. As I say, <laughs> we went we went in fairly fairly deep, fairly quickly. <laughs> so essentially, we just came back from Salute and, and back the Kickstarter because um, it is well worth it. I think not the word biased in any way, but we just just like dinosaurs and cool minis and things. So. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's something I was saying to somebody the other day actually you know just talking talking about salute and the, the feedback from salute it's one thing sh- you know designing a game and showing it to your friends your gaming circle and to to some degree um their friends and getting feedback uh from people who either directly to you or to their friend um have some kind of loyalty and therefore uh are predisposed to like it to go to salute and to show it to people who are looking at it purely from a customer standpoint and owe you nothing they don't know you they've got no reason to be nice to you when you know that's the real test yeah. um and so you know coming back and and um not just having a positive response to the visuals which you know you immediately get from from the kickstarter but people actually playing the game and being incredibly positive and enthusiastic about it and sort of, you know, waxing lyrical and lots of people went away and wrote blog articles and, you know, I've, I've had four people send me fan fiction, uh, set in, set in the world. You know, it's Excellent. incredible the level of engagement has, uh, that people have shown with it and how, how much it seems to have inspired people is really humbling. Yeah. Well, and I think actually that's one of the things that one of the reasons I really like Salute at the moment, I think, is there is that real sense of community, I think, going there among vendors. So, we, you know, yeah. you always get the communities, you know, in the actual players themselves. I would say now you see more community among the vendors because they don't see each other as competitors so much as we're just all in this together. We just we just like games. And I think you know um, I can't remember if it's yourself who mentioned this or other Kickstarter progenitors, but there is that real feeling that you know it's just there are some pretty good games out there. We all enjoy doing this. Uh, we all want to make these things successful. We all want to see great minis and, and great mechanics and you know, nice scenery. And I think that's really coming through to the fore. You know, we, we've said it many times. It is a bit um, bit off pat now that it is kind of this golden age of gaming at the moment, but um, but it really is. It really is, yeah. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, other other 
uh, other vendors, other game designers, you know, they just want to talk to you about because, you know, they think they think the same things that you think are cool are cool. Um, and there's just this sense of, you know, it's not about the money. It's not, you know, obviously business is an important part of it and you have to think of it from a business perspective. Otherwise, you, you know, you, you owe that to what you're doing. Um, it won't be successful yeah. long. It won't survive even long term unless it's financially viable. Um, but, you know, people who have every vested interest in not supporting you will still support you and will still recommend you and still talk to you know introduce you to people and all of these things that i think in in or in almost every other business people would not do because yeah. they know it'll it'll cost them money um but in this people just have this attitude that well there's an, there's enough business around for everyone and I like what you're doing. Yeah, no, I think that's a really positive note to wrap up this episode, actually. So my thanks to our listeners out there in the gaming world for tuning in and downloading the show. If you like what we're doing, please leave us feedback on iTunes and send us any comments, queries or requests to our blog, which you can find through Facebook or on the web by searching for Man's Model Moments. I'd highly recommend taking a look over on Kickstarter for The Drowned Earth. I think you can get from our enthusiasm from actually playing the game. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, seeing the miniatures. We're big fans. We're not in any way financially linked with James. <laughs> Be nice if we were, but unfortunately we're not. Well, except that you've given me some money. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, we're not yes. financially linked in, in, in the way that you're going to be biased. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but as I say, yeah, we have put our money where, where our mouth is because it's a no-brainer, really. It's a really good game. Uh, we wish you all the best, James, in the Kickstarter. Obviously, it's going to happen. It's already funded. So there is no reason for anybody out there not to do this. There are some really nice, unique parts of the game if you haven't heard that before go back to our prior podcast where we had james talking about some of those bits we talked about some of the the nice mechanics and some of the novel features of the game you know like not having racial factions for instance is a, is a nice one mm. uh, i particularly liked and was reminded again of when we when we played james and his crew are also good guys uh people you had at, at salute were very helpful um chris did a great demo for us um, the minis are gorgeous. Gameplay is a lot of fun, very cinematic and quite unique, I think. So what are you waiting for? Get over to Kickstarter uh, and have a look for The Drowned Earth. I think that's everything. All that's left to do is thank our guest once more for being on the show. Thank you, James. Yeah, you survived more thank than Thank you once. very much. <laughs> it's, it's been easy so far. <laughs> <laughs> so signing off from the Hub Systems, it's Alex. And Oscar. And James. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. 